Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. With offices in the Midwest. Stangy Law Firm is a family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. The topic today is tiling of assets and divorce, which is a really common question that many individuals have when going through a divorce. In other words, uh, here, here's really the question a lot of individuals have. Uh, they might have a home. The home might only be in their name. There could be a bank account, for example. The bank account could be simply in their individual name. It could be an investment account. It could be a car. It could be a boat. You name it. Lots of individuals in divorce have assets, and maybe some of these assets are jointly titled in the name of them and their spouse. But in other instances, there could be one or more uh, assets out there that are in their individual name, or it could be the opposite, that there are assets in their spouse's individual name. And many clients wonder, what effect does this have? And they oftentimes at least think or consider that, well, if the asset is in their individual name, if the asset is in their spouse's individual name, then maybe the court has to give that asset uh, to them or their spouse. And so that's the question, that's the topic, and it's something lots of individuals think about. On top of that, you know, some individuals might purposely want to title assets in, in their individual name, and they do it Uh, with this specific intent. In other words, they think if I put the asset in my name, it means that my spouse can't get it and that it'll be mine in the instance of a divorce. So let's break this down and go into some detail about whether this analysis is correct, whether it's incorrect, uh, whether there's sort of kind of this middle gray in terms of this topic as well. I mean, look, the reality to just sort of give you sort of a blanket bright line rule Uh, You know, most states have what's called equitable distribution uh, is the law, which means in case of divorce, uh, marital property and debt is divided in a just manner when considering all the factors. Now, every state has factors that are a little bit different. It could be things like uh, the contribution of each party to the marital estate. It could be the length of marriage, uh, the education and work history of the parties, could be the conduct of the parties during the marriage in some states. So, yes, in some states, marital misconduct uh, can still be a factor. And there are various other factors courts can ultimately consider as well. But with equitable distribution, it means the court can divide or is to divide marital property and debt in a just manner. Uh, On an interesting note, lots of individuals think that it's just a straight 50-50. Uh, in a divorce, that the court is going to divide everything 50-50, divide it in half, and and really in an equitable distribution state, uh, that may be a starting point for most judges, uh, but it's not necessarily the ending point. So some judges could deviate from that. They might find, based on the factors, that marital property and debt should be divided 60-40 or 55-45, you name it. So don't assume that everything is sort of cookie-cutter, automatic, uh, 50-50. So, but go back to the original question, which is the titling of assets. And the issue is really this: is um, if an individual titles an asset in their individual name, or if the asset's titled in their spouse's individual name, uh, does that make it separate property where it's theirs and it's not part of ec- equitable distribution? And really, the answer to that question is not necessarily. 
Okay, so here's what individuals who are asking this question have to think about, which is this, uh, is was the asset uh, acquired through uh, marital funds uh, or not, uh, or, you know, to just sort of give, uh, you know, some different examples, you know, was the asset uh, uh, purchased through money that was made during marriage? Uh, was it acquired by uh, uh, selling one marital asset and then purchasing this asset and then put an individual name or not? Because, look, the fundamental question is this, which is um, if an asset was acquired through marital funds, and marital funds would be any money an individual earned during marriage, uh, then it, it's going to be marital property in most instances. It doesn't matter how it's titled. So to give you a hypothetical, let's say somebody opens a, a bank account. It's only in their name. They then make their paycheck you know, from their job, and they put their paycheck in this bank account in their individual name. That is still going to be, in most instances, marital property. Uh, it'll still be marital property. It doesn't matter how it's titled because the money that's in that bank account was acquired through work performed during marriage. All right? Uh, so let's say, on, on to give you another example, somebody purchases a, a vehicle, right? The vehicle is only in their individual name. Uh, they use then marital funds, money earned during marriage, to pay for the vehicle or to make the payments on the vehicle. Um, again, that would still be a vehicle that's most likely going to be marital property. It doesn't matter how it's titled because it was purchased through marital funds, the car payments were made through marital funds, etc. Um, here's where things can get murky, though, and I kind of referenced this at the beginning, which is a sort of middle, you know, middle gray area at times. Uh, let's say somebody <clears throat> owned a home before marriage and it was completely paid off, right, and it's in their individual name. And they, through their premarital income, entirely paid this home off. And then they get married. New spouse moves into the home. Years later, divorce commences. And let's say this home is still in the one spouse's name. The other spouse's name was never put on it. Okay, in that instance, that home, in most respects, is probably still separate property because it was... Uh, 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 in essence, purchased or paid for uh, through money that was before the marriage. But let me give you sort of a murkier situation. Let's say an individual <clears throat> um, has a home that they owned prior to the marriage. Let's say it was half paid off. Um, and then let's say later you know, mortgage payments are made on this home after the marriage uh, and it's through, with marital funds, right, money earned during the marriage, let's say the property uh, is still titled in their individual name. And the question in this instance is, is okay, so uh, it's titled that spouse's individual name. Is it their separate property? Do they get it in the divorce? And this is where things can get murky because part of that uh, home is probably separate property. In other words, the part of it that was paid through premarital funds uh, but the payments made after the marriage, see, those are marital funds. And so that portion, a lot of judges are going to deem it to be uh, marital. So it's sort of part separate, part marital. But so here's, here's really the rule, and, and this is the thing to take away. Look, the titling of an asset is not necessarily that important in a divorce. 
uh, in most instances, the issue is how was it acquired, how was it paid for, and if it was acquired or paid for through marital funds, uh, and marital funds would be money earned during marriage with the exception of uh, gifts, uh, uh, inheritance, something like that, uh, then ultimately it's probably going to be marital property. So to the listeners out there, Tiling can be important. It can be something courts look at. Um, to give you a, a, another example, let's say an individual owned a home prior to marriage. It's in their individual name. They then get married, and they put their spouse's name on the home with them. Now, in that instance, the tiling would matter because now that asset, most courts would say, has been transmuted from separate to marital property. Okay, So this would be sort of an exception to what what I've been saying before, but as a general rule, the tiling of the assets um, is not, um, it may not be that important, and it's certainly not the only factor that's out there. Um, and it can't be a situation where an individual is putting marital money into an account of their own name in most instances, and, and then individual assumes that's all their money. Because again, the money in that account assuming it was through marital funds, money earned during marriage, it's going to be marital, okay? So um, tiling of assets and divorce, not that important in most instances. It can be important in the instance of transmutation, but in a lot of other respects, not that uh, important. And so, look, others then contemplate, well, goodness gracious, what do I do because I want to protect my assets you know, maybe an individual comes into the marriage, they've got a home, it's in their individual name, they've got other investments, accounts, property. Uh, for example, they had it before the marriage, they want to protect it. What do I do? Look, this is where a prenuptial agreement can often be important and can be often something to think about. Now, having said that, you know, for a prenuptial agreement to be valid, there's criteria and, and things that have to ultimately be met. Like individuals need to have independent counsel. There needs to be full and fair disclosure of the, uh, of the assets. There can be uh, no duress or undue influence put on the other individual. You know, there can be other components based on the state. And so if you're interested in getting a prenuptial agreement and you're not married yet, uh, get a lawyer. Make sure it's done correct. Uh, that's very, very important. And, and certainly the further away from the wedding date, uh, uh, normally better as well because uh, it can help show that there wasn't fraud or undue influence and that both parties had adequate time to consider whether to sign it or not. Uh, another option for individuals would be a postnuptial agreement, which is like a prenuptial agreement, but it's signed after the marriage. That's an option in some instances. That said, oftentimes parties, particularly the party who has less, uh, oftentimes they have little incentive uh, to want to sign off on something like that. Uh, so that's important to keep in mind as well, but a postnuptial agreement would be an example. Uh, and then really an exception to all of this uh, would be inheritance or gifts. So if an individual gets an inheritance, uh, inheritance during marriage uh, or they get a gift during marriage and these assets are in their individual name and they're not commingled with other marital assets or they're not uh, transmuted through joint titling, uh, oftentimes that can still be uh, separate as well, um, and, and so that's important to keep in mind. And to give you one concrete example there, let's say somebody uh, inherits a million dollars. If they put that in a joint account in their spouse's name, 
most courts are going to consider that to be transmuted to marital property. It has a donative intent uh, to the marital uh, estate, many courts would find. On the flip end, if you get a million dollars and you put it in an account in your individual name, you don't put your spouse's name on it, that can often be important. And since it's inheritance, and if it hasn't been transmuted with marital funds, uh, then I would say a great majority of courts would say that that is separate property and uh, uh, and the titling can there be important. So again, a little murky here, lots of different exceptions, but we wanted to cover this topic today, titling of assets and divorce. It's a common question many individuals have. So hopefully you all found the topic insightful and helpful here today. Uh, as a follow-up to the episode today, Go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com, which is a blog that we have. Check out an article dated May 14, 2021. The title of the article is Does It Matter How Property is Titled in Divorce? It's a good follow-up, uh, definitely something you may want, to, uh, may want to read and explore in a little more detail if you have some questions. And, of course, you know, for individuals listening, uh, it's often very vital to speak with a lawyer uh, who can advise you on the particulars of your situation if you've got some specific questions. So definitely seek out a lawyer. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Stay tuned to our next episode of Family Law Talk coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stange. Visit StangeLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stange Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtain on this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should contact an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. And finally, past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stange is responsible for the content. Principal Place of Business, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105.